Hey, it's Dan Harmon from Harmontown. I want to tell you about an exciting new podcast coming to Feral Audio called Launch Left. Rain, Phoenix, and Moon Zappa are going to interview extraordinary minds, mavericks, and pioneers in their fields. This season, Launch Left is going to celebrate nonconformists like Michael Stipe, Shepard Ferry, Spike Jones, Mario Batali, and many others. And those guests are also going to spotlight their favorite left-of-center emerging artists. So listen and subscribe now at feralaudio.com slash left, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can do it however you want, man. That's the nonconformist part. Guys, finding quality denim jeans is tough. And to find a good pair without breaking the bank is just uh, almost impossible. But at Distilled, spelled D-S-T-L-D, you get like brand top quality jeans at a price that won't break your bank. And I know I said break the bank, but I like saying break the bank. And I'll say it again. Break the bank. But just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D. LD.com right now and use a promo code FERAL and check out and get a 20% discount on your first pair. And these are great jeans. I love them. I wear them all the time. Heck, I sleep in them. Distilled jeans. They're the best jean you're ever going to wear. In fact, I shower in them. Distilled jeans. D-S-T-L-D. They're good quality, super duper denim. And, you know, it's not going to cost you like $200 or $100. Go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D.com. Do it. Get some jeans. Look cool. Feral Audio. Hello and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Uh, I'm Matt Dwyer. I just took a big breath there. Did you hear it? Uh, welcome to my podcast. Uh, I'm recording this while also watching my uh, 15-month-old daughter, so let's hope I can get through this. <laughs> let's hope I can get through this without uh, some screaming. Um, but I do have uh, Sesame Street on, if you can hear it in the in the off distance there. Or it's quiet. It's not off in the distance because I'm very close to my daughter in case something goes down. Anyway, if you haven't listened to the podcast before... Uh, I have conversations with artists, journalists, musicians, uh, and activists, and we talk about what's going on in the world and how it relates to our lives, and uh, instead of, I, I try to have a deeper conversation than just the subjects that are in the news, and uh, today I talk with Ilhan Kagri from the Muslim Public Affairs Council, which is uh, good timing because uh, uh Old uh, Orangeo, Orangeo the Clown, uh, is uh, they're trying their second swing at the Muslim ban. I don't know why I said it like that, but uh, I did. Uh, when we recorded this uh, Friday on the news, there was talk that maybe this wasn't going to happen, that they kept postponing it. And then, of course, I w- uh, and I mentioned this in the inver- interview, but of, of course, uh, I was wrong. So uh, there. Um, but before we get into that conversation with Ilhan, who is great, I love her. She's very warm and charming, and uh, I knew bits about the uh, about the Muslim world, but uh, she really sheds a great deal of insight and uh, personal stories and what's going on in her community with her neighbors who are also just uh, non-Muslims, and uh, so it's very. In, it was. It was. Uh, it's great, I, and uh, I, she's an awesome person. But before we get into that, I want to uh, just say uh, uh, here at Feral Audio and other podcast networks, like forty-five percent of people know what a podcast is, 
or something like that. And uh, we're taking steps to share our podcasts, uh, and, and we we are asking you to uh, like tweet about podcasts. It doesn't have to be feral audio. Just tell people about your favorite podcast hashtag tripod. And uh, I I podcast I've been listening to is uh, Pod Save America with John Favreau and I forget the other guy's name and uh, and that's on the Pod Save America network. Uh, it's very informative, insightful, and it's John Favreau, not the film director. It's the political writer. Uh, I'm really enjoying that podcast, and uh, say, uh, yeah. So I was going to mention another podcast, but I'll do that each week. Also, I have a sponsor. I have a sponsor, and that's good because I have a daughter, and I need to. <laughs> uh, but uh, and it's a it's a gene sponsor, and it's uh, distilled, spelled a D S T L D. All big letters there, pronounced distilled. Oops, excuse me for sniffling distilled while I plug your jeans. But uh, it's hard to find perfect jeans, and you don't want to break the bank. And But you need something that lasts, and that's something I found out. I have a hard time, me. I, and I also, like, you buy affordable jeans. I bought some Levi's once, and they were real stiff and weird because <laughs> I bought them for $50. But uh, you have to spend, like, 100 or more dollars to get comfortable jeans. And uh, it's a real drag. But at distilled, D-S-T-L-D dot com, uh, you can get luxury grand denim at affordable prices, and that would normally cost you hundreds. And their jeans start at $75. Just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D dot com, and see where minimalist design meets maximum comfort. Hmm, how about that? Uh, sorry for the sniffles, man. I, I, I'm recording this first thing in the morning, and, uh, here in L.A., you know, we've been getting a lot of rain, so my allergies are through the roof. Uh, real quick, before we get into this conversation, too, I just, uh, uh, we, man, I, there's a couple things that, the, mus, the, the ban, again, is driving me, I just, I feel like, you know, I mentioned that I have a 15-month-old daughter, I just want to enjoy being a dad, and, but I feel and and raising my daughter, and I she came into this world before uh, the election, and uh, it's just been it's had a different it's changed it you know it's harder to enjoy because I'm thinking of like, Orangey's going to pick a war, uh, with somebody especially now I feel like he's they're looking for something because it'll distract from the whole Russia thing, which is like the there was also the thing over the weekend of uh, him saying that Obama, tapped his uh, offices. And I read one report in the Washington Post that was saying that uh, it might have been an editorial, but saying that there was reports of him being happy all weekend because people weren't talking about sessions. And I, I don't know if that's true or not, but because there was other reports saying that he was he was pissed off all weekend. But I think it's interesting that every weekend before the news talk shows, some kind of bomb drops out of the Obama admin or uh, out of the orangey administration and it distracts the conversation away from russia or whatever is really and it keeps happening and i feel like there needs to be a bigger broader examination in the media of these tactics and uh i I feel like rachel maddow has done it a bit but it's like they really are distracting from russia and i don't it's and other and and frankly other Issues like I feel like I don't see any coverage on the news or very little about our environment and the EPA and the drastic, drastic, drastic <laughs> toll that is going to have on just simple things like drinking water. 
but uh and this and this ban this which from what i was reading also on the washington post is uh still illegal can't can't do this but uh this administration is really chipping away at human rights and and uh also the uh respect that we have around the world cuz we must look like a we must look like you know the crazy uncle with no pants on in the backyard during the barbecue that's what that's what america is everybody uh also uh i have another podcast on the network called afterbirth with my wife and we talk about uh what parenting with comedians and uh what we were who we were before and after so check that out we only we, we, we do it a couple times a month. And go to my website, themattdwyer.com, if you want to message me, follow me on Twitter, all that stuff. I have blogs on there, which I, I do need to add some more. But uh, being a dad and a writer, two, hard, two things hard to juggle. Uh, I want to apologize again for my sniffling. <laughs> it's really unprofessional, but I don't have a choice. Uh, I'm trying to get this done before my daughter. Uh, and please check out the other episodes of Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I've talked to some really great people. Mark Rudd from the Weather Underground. James S. Henry, a journalist who wrote an extensive piece about uh, Trump's Russian connections before anybody did, actually. Uh, and it's a great, great insightful interview and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but now let's talk uh, from the Muslim Public Affairs Council, Ilhan Kagri. This is a subject uh, uh, that I've wanted to cover on my podcast for a while, so I appreciate you uh, taking out the time. And and I'm going to assume you as well are are Muslim, correct? Right, Muslim. (laughs) I'm a real... So so let me teach you how to pronounce that the way we pronounce it, okay? Oh, okay, please do. Yeah, well, because it's one S, you know, we... Uh, we as Americans tend to say Muslim because one S is like is, is pronounced like a Z. But in fact, if you think of it as two S's, like how would you pronounce it if it was spelled M-U-S-S-L-I-M? How would you pronounce that? Muslim. Right. There you go. That's the way we say it. I never did well in quizzes in high school, so I got really nervous. (laughs) No, you shouldn't have gotten nervous, but it's because, yeah, so it's, you know, whoever wrote it around the first time, they said, oh, well, it's only one S sound, so we should put an S. Not thinking that in, you know, English, when we have one S, we tend to pronounce it as a Z. And so if we have two S's, then we make sure it's an S. So that's, that's the way it works. Um, so it makes us feel it makes it makes us feel happier. <laughs> so like you like you understand me if you say Muslim, I say, oh, okay. He at least knows how to pronounce the name of the religion. So we're already off to a good start. That's uh, I, I, that may seem like a small uh, issue for many people, but that's probably very important because, especially as much as they say it on the news these days, especially and with our. Uh, president whose name i refuse to speak <laughs> right <laughs> like it right. must be driving your community insane well and also you can tell who's empathetic and who's not so if they say those moslems are you know all over the place you know i but as soon as he says those moslems i already know that this guy has such little information about us that he probably doesn't have positive feelings and you know anybody that says well the muslim community in america i say oh okay so that person probably has a little more information at least they know how it's pronounced so we're, we're now we're you know I, I i you know i've already judged that that person probably has more information um 
is that's a bad way to be probably right for you for you or to, uh, to, or for them because i think for them it's a no 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 for me when i judge people that when i say okay you know he's already said well the muslims and i say okay so this is probably <laughs> somebody who's aware versus the muslims and i say oh, that's like, <laughs> I, I don't because i think i i think you, you, your community is dealing with a great deal of hostility right now, and right, and like in any situation, you're if there's hostility, you're you're feeling out what is a possible threat or a conflict, right. and I, I, right, and I think that's a that's just basic survival, <laughs> right, right, and also the fact because there's so much hostility, you you're actually expecting that you know you're you're you we're in an environment where we're actually having to say. Is this person going to be hostile or not hostile? Whereas, you know, you, I mean, I, you can tell I grew up in America. I never had to think about that. I never had to worry about that. What? What are you talking about? I, you know, America was such a welcoming place. I have to just give you a story. My kid, my daughter in middle school, um, her school had a leadership uh, retreat. So, you know, they go away for a week into this, you know, cabin place and, you know, they have all these classes in the in this you know outdoor environment. And it's wonderful. And my daughter didn't pray regularly. But I said to one of the teachers, I said, hey, you know what, if she wants to pray, could you just make sure there's a, a place for her to pray? She comes back a week later and she says, Mom, what the heck did you tell the teachers? And I said, no, I didn't say anything. She said, oh, my God, the Jewish and the Christian teachers are following me around saying, is it time for a period? Is it time for you to pray? Because we've, we've gotten this place, you know, separated for you, whatever. And she said, they were so concerned about it. And I said, no, I, I, I just mentioned that if you want to. She said, oh, my God, I felt like I was at some religious retreat. So here are these Christian and Jewish teachers, so careful, so committed to making sure that my poor daughter feels okay, that she's got the space, that, you know, she's not forgetting, whatever. They went out of their way much more than I would have expected, right? So that, you know, that's the way we grew up. That's the way my kids grew up. Every, you know, there were people who didn't understand, but, you know, as soon as you explain it to somebody that, you know, this is what Islam stands for, oh, okay, the curriculum got changed or something happened, right? So, I, you know, that was the America that I knew. And then all of a sudden we have an America where my son, who lives in this neighborhood, uh, well, first of all, let me give you my, my little granddaughter. So during the, the Trump campaign, my granddaughter goes to a school in Washington, D.C., which if you know anything about Washington, D.C., it's very, very diverse. So she's in this public school in Washington, D.C., and let me just give you the picture. She's got, you know, beautiful blue eyes and blonde hair. She's just this cute little girl. And her best friend comes to her and says, Sophia, and she said, well, she said, you know, if President, if, if Trump gets elected, will you have to leave? And now, now, mind you, in this school, in this school, the t they've already decided that there's going to be no political discussions because it gets very divisive. It, you know, it scares the kids or whatever. So they talk about government maybe, but there's going to be no political discussion. So it's not like this school was, you know, having all of these discussions. So this poor little girl, kindergarten, says to my granddaughter, you know, are you going to have to leave if he gets arrested, you know, if he becomes president? So now it's not just affecting my, you know, the Muslim children who might be afraid and who actually started packing their bags during the election, thinking, you know, packing their teddy bears and whatever. And their moms would say, what are you doing? He said, you know, I just want to make sure if we have to leave that I that I take my teddy bear and I take this toy and I take this doll. 
So it's not just them, but it's the other non-Muslim kids who are also traumatized by this, saying, you know, oh my gosh, my 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 best friend is going to have to leave if if Trump becomes president. So there's trauma going on in this country, and this is during the elections. So you know, now we come to today, and I haven't allowed you to ask a question yet. No, no, it's <laughs> fine. I'm, it's great what you're saying. So I they so today, you know, my son. Um, who lives in this wonderful, wonderful neighborhood uh, in in the in Maryland, and his wife wears a scarf. Um, and it, the neighborhood, you know, you know very well to do. It's a great neighborhood. He's leaving his house one day in his car. There's a couple neighbors standing in the street. He waves to them. They flag him down, and he says, "Hi, how are you?" And they say, "You know, uh, you know what? We just want you to know that we don't want you to be worried. We we've got your back." And he's thinking. What? <laughs> what? Okay. And they said, you know, because you know, we know you're Muslim, but nothing's going to happen to you. We're gonna, we're gonna protect you. And he, he came to my house and he said, I didn't know. I needed. We needed to be protected. We. I, there's nothing happening. So again, look who's traumatized. You know, aside from the Muslims that are being traumatized, the neighbors are traumatized. Those are Christian and Jewish neighbors who are traumatized, thinking, oh, my gosh, we have this, you know, lovely Muslim family in our neighborhood, and we're going to have to protect this family against God knows what. So look, look at the kind of trauma and fear that, that's going on, you know, throughout the United States. So, the, you know, this is disturbing. Now, we haven't even gotten to the laws that are being created. We haven't gotten to the Muslim ban. We haven't gotten to any of this. We're just like people to people, right? This is this is sad for us. Yeah, I mean that's I, I, I'm I'm interested in the t- discussing about the laws that are are being proposed and but I, I I what's happening to people individually in a personal story is really what interests me because I feel like we've a lot of people don't we're in the news you just hear these things but we don't we're not hearing stories. We're not hearing personal emotion. And I feel like the, the more we get that out there, the more uh, people can relate and understand, or at least that's what I'm absolutely. trying to do. Um, right. Absolutely. And I think in huge pockets of America, people don't or they have limited interaction with your community, the Muslim community. I got nervous. I was going right. to say it wrong. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. You, you may, no, no, no but I think true. that's but I think that's important that people know how to pronounce it and understand. Uh, I, you know, uh, America is very Christian and uh, in a lot of ways, and like people don't leave those oh, those pockets. I wish it. Were, oh no, I wish it were. I wish it were very Christian, because the thing about being Christian, what what's the number one tenet of Christianity? It's love. Right. It starts with love thy enemy, you know. So, you know, if America were Christian, it would be terrific. It would be amazing if America were Christian. The problem is, are the Christians acting Christian? Are the Christians following the message of Jesus? You know, are you know, if they were doing that, what would we have in this in this country? That's that's my question. You know, I love Christianity. Well, first of all, because I'm Muslim. Jesus and Mary are extremely holy to us. And, you know, it would be terrific if, if, if people were Christian or followed the example of Jesus. Right? Right. And I... So it's, oh, sorry, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was just, I was, I think, because you, you were saying that Jesus and, and Mary are very uh, holy within your religion, and I wanted you to ex- expand on that, because I think a lot of people don't understand certain elements of 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 your religion, and that the, the love and the peace and all, uh, if, mm. if you could exp- expand on that, I, I think that would be very helpful. Sure, sure. So, um, Muslims... They come. They're the. They they're the part of the line of Abrahamic faith. So everything that you know, we believe in all of the prophets. We have the same prophets that uh, Judaism has. We accept those and the same similar the same stories. And um, Jesus for us is extremely holy. He he was a prophet. He's not God. He's not God, but he's extremely holy. Mary is you know the holiest of women. Mary is the mother of Jesus, and a chapter of the Quran is dedicated to her. So the story for us in our history, um, Islam came out about the Prophet Muhammad lived in a time when people did not believe in God. There were some Christians and some Jews, but generally the people were atheists, and it was very, very corrupt. And uh, there was a lot of violence against people who kept saying, no, we believe in God. We, we reject these idols. We reject these statues. This is not God. This is, we believe in God. And a, a, a very large part of the Quran is human justice, as is, you know, all the religions are about, you know, bringing the justice of God onto this earth, right? Yeah, about being just to one another as human beings or creating, you know, just spaces for one another. So there was a lot of violence against these people. And, um, a small group of them emigrated to Ethiopia, uh, which at that time had a, um, a, a Christian king. So uh, the people from Saudi Arabia, you know, followed them to uh, Ethiopia and told the king that these are thieves and these are, you know, the worst of the worst. And these are, you know, violent people and, you know, criminals and whatever, and that they're now living in your land. So the king had all these people rounded up. And he brought them, you know, he had them brought in front of him. He says, now, what, why, what are you doing here? What's your purpose for being here? And they said, look, you know, we, this is, we have this belief system. We've run away because it was very violent. And um, here's, here's, you know, here's our belief system. And, and the king said, well, well, talk to me. Tell me what, what, what has been revealed to you. And they recited the chapter called Mary. And it brought the Ethiopian king to tears. And he said, I'm making a declaration that any Muslim who comes into my lands are going to be protected and nobody is, I'm giving sanctuary to Muslims. And he told the, you know, the non-believing, you know, uh, the people who didn't believe in God to get out of his land and said, you know, nobody is to uh, harm these Muslims in my lands. All right. So, so that's a very important story to us that, that the Christians gave refuge and sanctuary to the early Muslims. And inside the Quran, it's constantly talking about Christians who who have, you know, an understanding of God and how we should respect Christians and that we are all people of the book. And, and you know, this idea of we, we're all, you know, we respect Christians and, and Jews and people of the book because they have an understanding of God that's that's very, very similar to one another and that we're supposed to be having discussions with one another so that we can learn more about what the true nature of God is and, you know, the reason for our existence and, you know, what the next life is going to be like and how we can, how we can move together, you know, each in his own path, each individual in his own path, 
but you know as collectively moving in the same direction towards this this greater this greater good this greater creator to to discover what what this creator could be or what what our our destiny is supposed to be so that's that's the muslim philosophy could you do you have a a, a defined moment where you can sort of see that uh where this people started believing otherwise about the religion is that i don't know if that's it just seems like i I agree with you like it used to never i never used to hear anything and then suddenly it is just a constant you hear from our president he's constantly you know there these threats and the ban and and it's sort of like where the hell did all this come from it just sounds yeah i mean it's so yeah so it happened it happened after 9/11, right? Right. So 9/11 what happened is that um you know things uh, that was uh, the high point of Muslims in this country. You know, people had good idea, impressions about Muslims and this is from like organizations like the Pew Research Center and other, you know, very uh well-respected organizations and you know, Muslims, you know, were were regarded, you know, really, you know, pretty good in this country. And then, you know, in some sense, President Bush did a, a good job of saying we're not this is not a war against Islam. We're not going out against Muslims. So he didn't begin this sort of demonization of Muslims inside the United States. But what happened is now you have to, you know, people want to go to you know, whoever wants to go to war with Iraq. So now how are you going to how are you going to justify that? How are you going to because you know, for one thing. You know, I, I, I know you know that the people who did the 9-11 bombing, you know, out of 19 of them were from Saudi Arabia. So they're not even, you know, Afghanistan and you know, Iraq. They weren't from Afghanistan. They weren't from Iraq. So we needed to figure out a way to go into Afghanistan. We needed to figure out a way to go to Iraq. And so we, we otherized the Muslims, right? These are, you know, you start by otherizing. And, you know, once you otherize, you, you start picking up these, you know, racial or stereotypical epithets otherwise you can't you can't justify killing people you can't justify invading their countries i mean even the the atom bomb you know we look at world war ii how much damage did germany do how much damage did japan do and we chose to bomb japan well can you imagine us bombing you know beautiful little white blonde blue-eyed children you know, of course not. We would never do that. All right. Well, the Japanese look other. We were able to, you know, make them not one of us. So it's easier to throw an atom bomb on the Japanese and, and be OK with it than it is to bomb Germany with their, you know, beautiful little blue eyed children. Right. Not to say that Japanese are not beautiful, but I, I'm giving you a racial way of looking at it, at a, a, you know, a prejudicial way of looking at it. So that's that's what works in this country. And so, you know, the way that. I think what's happening in this country is in order to feel better about yourself or in order to get people hyped up about about what you're doing, you know, for, for you know, certain people in government to get hyped up about what they're doing and not to see reality, but to ha- see, you know, an alternative reality. You have to create, you know, certain emotions that are going to blind people. And some of those emotions are, are like fear. Fear blinds people because fear goes to your, the lizard brain, right? It doesn't go to logic. It goes to your lizard brain. And so how do you make people afraid? You make them afraid of the other. So if, you know, if you, and, and who's your base? Your base is basically 
white people. So who do we pick up? We say, okay, so you've got dark-skinned people that are, you know, black people are criminals. Uh, the Latinos and all of these illegal aliens, they they look they don't look like us. You know, they're darker. You know, the Muslims, you know, un- unfortunately, the Indians get, you know, thrown into that and the Sikhs get thrown into that and the poor Indians got killed, you know, in that um, uh, cafe or bar in Kansas. You know, we can we can pick those out, too. So as long as we otherize, we're able to create fear about those groups of people because they're not us. Now, it's harder for me to make you afraid of somebody who looks just like you. You say, no, Tom, are you kidding me? I know he's like a buddy of mine. He looks just like my brother or my cousin or whatever. But you right? But I can make you afraid of somebody who doesn't look like you. So, you know, I can say, you know, you know, what's his name? You know, that, that whole group of people. And because you don't have information and you don't have experience with these people, it's much easier for me to incite that fear. And then all I have to do is you give you a couple of false facts. You know, that's easy. That false facts. You notice what I said? It's just false information that I pretend are facts. And, you know, I got you on a roll. And then I say things like, are you safe? I bet you're not safe. So the first time Trump said, I don't feel safe. And I'm thinking, you live in Trump Towers. You're driven around by limousines. What the heck are you talking about that you don't feel safe? You don't feel safe from what? You you have financial security. You have complete you know security in your life. What what? Give me a break. What a lie that was. And the thing is, people hear that speech and nobody questions the fact that why would you not feel safe? What what is it about you that you don't feel safe? Nobody questioned that. I, you know, I looked around like everybody just they just let that slide. And he's constantly saying, you know, you're not safe. You're not safe. Well, you look in these neighborhoods where supposedly people don't feel safe. They don't even lock their doors. Why are they not feeling safe? If you didn't feel safe, you'd have three or four locks on your doors. <laughs> right? Yeah, and I think that all the time when people are like, oh, the terrorists. I'm like, you're in Iowa. Like, you're no one gives a shit. <laughs> it's like, no, no, offense right. to, no offense to people in Iowa, but it's like, I don't, I don't think uh, any terrorist is going to be driving out to your farm. And, and, we do, and mind you, the, the definition of terrorist has to be, you have to be Muslim. You can have other people do the exact same act, but they don't get to be called terrorists. So actually, if you look at FBI statistics, there's much more risk, you know, multiple times more risk from right-wing extremists. And they say it over and over again. They say, you know, the the risk to security in this country is from right-wing extremists by far. But they're not called terrorists because to be called a terrorist, you have to be Muslim. You know, we get that honor to be called terrorists just by virtue of the fact. It doesn't really matter what we do. It doesn't even matter why we did it. So, for example, in, you know, uh, in Florida, the guy, you know, he was, a, he was slighted by his homosexual lover. He was having all kinds of issues. And he goes around shooting people at a gay bar. He got called a terrorist. What, what part of that was being a terrorist? The guy is, you know, went off the rocker because he was, you know, dissed by his lover. And he was even married. He was living a double life. He wasn't really, you know, heterosexual. He was homosexual. There's a lot of domestic violence in the fa- in these families. Like they have issues. These are people with psychological problems. Now, I'm not denying that clearly there is, you know, there are people with, you know, radical views. There are people with radical ideologies. But there's a, rep- a lot of Republicans out there with very, very radical ideologies. Those are radicalized Republicans. And why don't we call them dangerous? Those people are, are your freedom of the press. You know, I, I'm American. I love this country. 
I love my constitution. I, I, my bill of rights, I come to tears when I, you know, I've lived overseas. I had a choice to live any, you know, in multiple numbers of countries. I speak several languages. I can live in so many places and I choose to live in America. I choose to live in America because I love this country. I love the constitution. The Bill of Rights, the First Amendment, protects freedom of the press, protects freedom of religion. And there are people that are against these things. The very, the very, very foundation of what this country is. I'm petrified. Every American, everybody who, who purports to be a patriot should be petrified. Otherwise, you don't understand what this country is all about. Yeah, it seems... It, I mean, it's clear that the agenda of the Republican Party or those who are in power right now is nothing more than to propagate fear and to make as much money as they possibly can, because it is clear what they, every action is for is for for corporate America. It's a corporate. That's really what our government is right now. Would I? It, well, and still, well, I don't even. Trump is just lining his own pockets. I mean, it's really clear. If you, you know, if you look at the reports of the businesses that he has been conducting since he became president. I mean, Melania sued somebody in, uh, in uh, uh, what was it, the Globe or the Mail in London, in England, and her suit said because she would be missing the opportunity to make money at this point in her life, at this point. This is a golden opportunity, right? You know, think this opportunity. Well, what opportunity is she talking about? The opportunity of when she's first lady. Which first lady, for goodness sakes, up to now, which first lady has taken advantage of that position to make herself rich? Look at all the beautiful first ladies we've had. I mean, my goodness. Look at Mrs. Bush. Both Mrs. Bushes. They're amazing people. Look at Rosalind Carter. You know, look, look at these people. They were so careful about their positions. They, were, they made America so proud, regardless of what their husbands did. You know, Mrs. Ford, look, you know, regardless of what, what their husbands did, these were people that made us proud. At least I was proud. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty critical person. I would be the first person to cut down somebody, but they never did anything. And, you know, and look at, look at uh, Mrs. Obama. I mean, for goodness sakes, she was one of the classiest women up there as first lady. And people could not see that because all they could see is the color of her skin. They could not see her graciousness. They could not see her grace. They could not see her, how careful she was to represent this country really well. The only thing they could see was the color of her skin. Many people, unfortunately. And that's just, that's sad for them. I mean, it's shameful for us, but it's sad for those individuals whose, whose vision is so warped and so they're, they're imprisoned by their racism so they can't even appreciate something that's really worthy of appreciation. Yeah, and unfortunately I feel like it's just, I mean, it's, it's, I feel like it's getting worse. I feel like we have a administration that is, they make very racist statements in very subtle forms <laughs> constantly. I mean, in, even his address to the Congress the other day, I, I feel like, uh, I forget what was pointed out I, well starting it off by saying citizens of the united states of america is a is, yeah. is a is a it says a lot and it's also i right so, i mean it also says like i'm better than you it's we're not in one <laughs> you know? and what about the permanent residents what about the permanent residents 
I mean, there are a lot of people. I, I lived as a permanent resident in this country for many, many years. I became a citizen in my 40s. And you know why I became a citizen in my 40s? It's because I decided, after having traveled so much, I decided I wanted to be an American. I, I loved the Constitution so much that I wanted to be an American. You know, I, I made that choice. But as a permanent resident, I had all the rights of citizenship by law. You know, everything, I couldn't vote. But, I, but if I were a man, I could, and now as a woman, I could have served in the military. I have to pay taxes. All, you know, all of the scholarships and grants and whatever are, are open to me as a, as a permanent resident because I pay taxes. Because I have to fulfill all of the obligations that, you know, everybody else does. And I, I don't get the benefit of voting. That's the only difference. Uh, so, you know, he, he, he knocked those people out. Another thing that's really interesting is when he supposedly, you know, finally, finally talked about the uh, anti-Semitism and the violence and the racism. He did not. And, you know, he talked about those, uh, the Indian that was shot and, you know, his friends that were shot in the bar in Kansas. He didn't say anything about the mosques that have been, you know, burned or vandalized, about those Muslims that were killed in Canada. Uh, he didn't say anything about the poor Muslims in North Carolina, the, the husband and wife and sister students in North Carolina that were that were shot on their doorsteps. I mean, you know, sweet people. Everybody said they were the sweetest people. And he, he didn't say anything about those people. So the deaths of Muslims or the vandalization of of mosques aren't even isn't you know isn't even in his on his radar. And even the, the cemeteries and everything, it, it, it was days and days, and there was a lot of pressure about the Jewish uh, cemeteries and the JCCs, the community, Jewish community centers that had been vandalized or that had been, you know, had bomb threats against them. It took a lot of pressure for him to, you know, condescend to say something about that. Well, that's horrible, right? Horrible. Where do you? What are your fears? Because I've there's been speculation in the media as of last week of that the that the ban is not going to go anywhere. That that they hit a wall legally, and it's probably there. There probably won't be a new executive order. Uh, do you agree with that? And wh- where do you see that they could possibly go if there is if there isn't a, the ban? Well, I I heard that you know that uh, after this speech there was going to be there was going to be an executive order, and they decided to hold back because they didn't want to dampen the the you know positive environment of you know Trump being presidential for four days, and you know our our bar is so low, oh my God, our you know the press the media was just lapping it up. Look, he didn't insult anybody, he didn't go off the rails, he didn't do this. I feel like we have King George. You know, who, you know, the, the crazy King George of England, who like, you know, he was completely mad as a hatter. But because he, you know, for one or two days, he seemed to be OK. It's like, yay, you know, we have somebody who's staying for a couple of days. And, and, and we're all happy. Like, what, how, what short memories do we have? This is our president who we're saying is generally off the rails. But look, he wasn't off the rails for two hours. I mean, like, this is not, this is a joke for us. Let's be serious about this. And he doesn't just impact us. He impacts the world. He creates problems in the world by just opening his mouth because his words matter. His deeds matter. You know, aside from, you know, the fact that, you know, the EPA is already issuing rules and we're going to start, you know, polluting our environment again. God knows what's going to happen to the educational system in this country. The State Department, which does exceptional work, 
They do amazing work. They haven't even been called on. If you look at the State Department, they're just sitting around, you know, basically going through the motions. We're not taking advantage of the of the beautiful work they do. They they issue about Sweden. He hears that you know there's some you know terror attack in Sweden, or or he doesn't he doesn't take advantage of his resources. He didn't call ask anybody. Hey, has there been a terrorist attack on Sweden? He's got people on call to do that. He's got the when he talked about driving through the Lincoln Tunnel in his address. And he said, you know, look, our infrastructure, the tunnel, those pieces are falling off, and, you know, that's really horrible, and we need to fix this infrastructure. It's like you've got people that actually have statistics. Call somebody and say, I need the statistics on the bridges and the tunnels in our country so that I can talk about it. You're not, we're not fixing things because they're not good for your drive. We're fixing things because in our country, we have bridges that need to be fixed or tunnels that need to be repaired. It's not about you. It's about this country. You have a position of leadership. This is not Trump land. This is about you leading our country. So why is it that every example is about you? It shouldn't be about you at all. So there's another thing that you said that I just want to come back to if I can. Of course. And that, that that's when you said... You know, I see things as getting worse and worse. And actually, I, I don't see that. I see Americans coming together. I see, you know, the fact that when that mosque was um, burned down, I think it was in Texas, the synagogue across the street gave them the keys and said, please worship here. And I see people reaching out to one another. When there was, you know, this talk of Muslims registering, so many people were saying, I'm going to register as a Muslim. When the Muslim ban happened, you know, at the airports, nobody organized. Nobody organized. Somebody sitting in their house or apartment decided, oh, my God, this is horrible. I'm going to the airport. Who did that? Those are people with good hearts. So this country is full of people with good hearts who up to now didn't need to or didn't feel a need to take a position. And we've been complacent. And that's why I think Trump was able to get elected. That's why we have this, you know, whole states that are gerrymandered. That's why we have, you know, voting laws that are coming into place that prevent people of color or certain socioeconomic areas from being represented because we've been complacent. And I think that now you see these meetings in, in communities all over America where people are coming together. And who's attending these meetings? shy people who've never been politically active and who say that they say i you know i've never done this kind of thing before but i just think it's really important that that we take a stand i mean these wonderful wonderful people are all coming together and reaching out to their neighbors and you know saying no you know i i'm not going to let this happen in my country so i think that's that's great and i think if we can weather this storm and actually prevent the decay of our laws, you know, that that we can come out of this just beautiful, much better for it. So I'm hopeful. Oh, I agree. People are coming together. But I also feel that the administration and I mean, you see you see Chuck Schumer laugh in people's faces at town hall meetings. And I feel like they are and hopefully they'll pay for this. But I feel like they're ignoring they're just going about, <clears throat> excuse me, they're just going about their business and they're just like, 
I feel like we're getting a finger from them and they're like, we're going to do what we want. Protest all you want. Right. And they just, they, they, right. they, I mean, they even just, they like say fake protesters, hired protesters. They're saying that the people at the right. town hall meetings are, are hostile. It's like, they, right. and I'm like this, hopefully. Well, how, those people in those states, you don't think those people are hearing them say that? Oh, absolutely. I hope. And how do you think they're reacting to that? Not well. I know I'm not. Well, right, exactly. And so, you know, these people are becoming more and more tuned in. So the person who would have just done that, gone to the town hall meeting and not listened to the news, he's going to hear that, you know, well, they're just saying we were bussed in. Well, that's going to, you know, that these were, you know, Democrats bust in from different states or different jurisdictions. And he's going to get angry. He's going to get super pissed. He's going to say, heck no, next time I'm going to yell louder. They don't, the, the strange thing about these, you know, Republicans that are doing this is, They've turned off their phone lines. They've made themselves unaccessible. Well, you know what? There's going to be people coming up that, that are going to make themselves, you know, other Republicans. So even if you're gerrymandered, you're going to have other Republicans running against you who are going to be available. You're, and, and I'm sure that they're going to come back to Washington a little bit chastised and a little bit scared. I mean, Marco Rubio came back and he said, no, these people, they just want to yell at you. They don't want to. They don't want to let you talk. And I said I was going to do something and I'm going to I'm going to carry through with that. It's like, you know, good luck to that, Marco, because I don't know what's going to happen to your future, because, you know, you live in a state where they where there are a lot of Hispanics. And so, you know, you represent a state. There are a lot of Hispanics. You're rounding up people who lived in this country for 20, 25 years, who've got four or five children who are born in this country. I mean, you know, people maybe might be able to stomach, you know, if you're picking up people who are, you know, uh, criminals or violent people, but just off the street, you, you got, you're picking up people outside of, you know, when they're dropping their kids off to school, there was a, a, a man picked up uh, when he was at his son's, uh, he had a seven-year-old son on a soccer, playing soccer. And, you know, ICE agents came and picked him up, you know, right off the soccer field. I mean, that's, I don't know how many people can stomach that. I don't know how many people can say hooray to that. I just, uh, that's not something that that I, you'd have to be very hardcore radical to stomach that, you know. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in Los Angeles and it's people are outraged and uh, there was a gentleman who was picked up when dropping his children off at school and it's just right and it's it's just it's I've never I've had presidents that I surely did not agree with and thought did some terrible things, but this is just heartless. I mean, to to break up a family is from right. from the from the party that used to claim to be all about family values, right. and, and and it's just it it's all just fear, pain, and I I think they just want to keep everybody scrambling so we don't know you know how to how to approach them because it's just one thing after another. And the thing is that it's not it's no longer Republican or Democrat. You know, I just I think. Because look at the Democrats. I mean, I, the Democrats are a mess. They're not even offering, you know, something to, to turn us on, right? So the Democrats, it, you know, the, the Republicans, all right, so they're, they're backing, by and large, they're backing Trump. But if you're, if you're a Republican, it's no longer about your party. It's about, you know, who do these people represent and do these people represent my values? And if you're a Democrat, it's the same thing. It's about this is not my values. And, you know, maybe there isn't somebody that's, you know, getting me all hyped up out there in the Democratic Party. But it doesn't really matter because what's happening right now does not represent my values. And we have 
a democracy. We have a representative government, and this is not representative. And more important than anything else, we have a system of laws, and these laws are being violated left and right. We have a system of, you know, transparency. Where's the transparency? Like, you know, this thing with Sessions, I, my goodness, people say, you know, so what if he, you know, met with the ambassador? You know, he's the Russian ambassador. He, he's, uh, he's a senator. He has a right to meet with the, session with the Russian ambassador. That's not the point. The point is you are under oath. You were under oath. You were obligated to tell the truth, and you volunteered. Not even they didn't even ask him the question. You know the Lord works in mysterious ways. I love this because you know nobody actually asked him, "Have you met with Russians?" But he said two things. He said, "You know what? I was a surrogate for the campaign, and I met with the Russian ambassador." You know, I don't know. And he said, "I don't know anybody who met with the Russian ambassador. I certainly have not met with the Russian ambassador under oath." That's the problem. The problem is he violated a law, you know, and if you're so if you're so concerned about kicking out these people who violated laws because they had some, you know, DUI 25 years ago, well, then you, you need to worry about this guy, too. Yeah. Do you what is the fear in your community of where this all may be leading? Because I know there's a lot of. Um, I don't. I don't know. There's talks. There's a lot of paranoia, and it's sometimes it's like hard to to figure out what is just people. And I'm not just speaking with your community. I mean, there was talk of like having there was uh, theories that there'd be camps for the uh, the Mexican. Muslim, immig- yeah, yeah. And I, I yeah. don't. I, I don't know if we would. I mean, I we've done it in the past. We seem to ignore the. <laughs> we we seem to ignore right. that that we've done it plenty of times but what where do you what what is your community so there's several levels yeah so there's several levels of fear so you know again like me there's a lot of people who moved in this to this country because they love america right and they've settled here and they've raised their children here and they're americans they're americans who happen to be muslim they they practice islam as their faith but they're americans and so obviously they grieve if america turns into something less than its beautiful self. So that's one fear. The other fear is that you you um, that that they're going to be singled out, that they're going to be ghettoized in some way. So if you look at Europe, Muslims in Europe are ghettoized, right? But in America, you know, when Ted Cruz said we we ought to uh, do surveillance on Muslim neighborhoods, well, you know, people who knew anything laughed. What Muslim neighborhood? There's no Muslim neighborhoods. I mean, maybe Dearborn, Michigan has a small pocket of Muslims, but the rest of America, there's no Muslim neighborhoods. Now, where you live, just think to yourself. Do you, do you know if there's any Muslims in your neighborhood? Like, have you seen any people with a scarf in your neighborhood? I do on occasion, but I live in a, you know, a very, uh, there is a, a couple of, uh, of mosques. There was one by my old neighbor, my old neighborhood. Um, right. But I mean, now, was that a... a whole Muslim neighborhood? Was that a Muslim neighborhood or... There were a couple Muslims here and a couple Muslims yeah, there. And you could see couple, one there and you could... Mus- the, yeah, Right, exactly. Here. Right. American Muslims are spread out. They're not ghettoized. They are spread out. Aside from the fact that they're spread out, you know, and, and Van Jones actually brought this up in an interview with CNN, they are generally, you know, better educated than the, than the majority of the population. And they are more successful than the majority of the population. So what Van Jones said is that when a Muslim fall, you know, moves into your neighborhood, your property values go up. 
because one, he's going to be a good citizen. Two, his children are going to probably go to good schools. They're going to perform really well. They're going to have, you know, they're going to be ambitious about their future. They're not going to mess around. They're not going to join gangs. They're going to be serious. They're going to go to school and they're going to, you know, become doctors or lawyers or whatever. The statistics show that bear that out, right? So, you know, they're spread out and, and they're, you know, fairly successful. So, you know, the, 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 but the issue is we don't want Muslims to become psychologically ghettoized. Like, you know, I'm a Muslim. I am under attack. People look at me in a bad way. And so you, you, you close up into yourself. You know, you say you might not move out of your neighborhood, but you psychologically close into yourself. So who wants that? Nobody wants that. This, this country is about openness. This country is about being welcoming, and, and nobody wants that. Nobody wants that for any community. And then, you know, these people have relatives, they have friends, whatever. You know, they can no longer visit. They can't go and visit their homeland if they come from particular countries. You know, it, it, the injustice of that, just that just because you come from someplace, you're, you're already assumed to be, you know, some criminal. And then finally, the seven countries that were picked for the ban – They've never committed anything in the United States at all. They've never, they, nobody has been killed in this country by anybody from any of those countries. Why do you think they picked you know, those countries? Uh, well, the, uh, Trump doesn't have any hotels in any of those countries. That's true. You know, so he has hotels in the other countries that are should have been picked, but, he, <laughs> uh, you know, that's one reason. Well, that's the way you do to, to do your foreign policy by the hotels you own. That's 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 good. Well, you know, it's a conflict of interest, right? Yeah, absolutely, it's a conflict of interest. He, you know, there Trump Tower Tower in Turkey. All right, the president of Turkey already gave him a shot across the the bow because he mentioned uh, in a in a uh, talking to the president uh, President Erdogan, he mentioned that you know I you know this guy who actually happens to be the owner of Trump Towers. And Trump, mind you, Trump had nothing to do with the t- with the towers in Turkey. All he does is he sells his name to them, and so he gets millions of dollars every year because they he's licensed his name. So he mentioned to the president of Turkey, you know, I know this man, and you know he's a good guy and all this stuff. Well, two days later, he was in prison. That guy. Now he was later released, but President Erdogan was sending a message to Donald Trump that, hey, you know what? Your millions of dollars coming out of this country. They they can stop in a heartbeat. So you and I need to be on good terms. Oh, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> um, well, that's why we have the emoluments clause. Yeah. That's exactly why we have the emoluments clause. But, you know. No one's jumping on that, um, which is bizarre. I'm like, I mean, we could have him out so quickly, and yet no one seems to care. I, mean, I think I think people are jumping on it. I I think that slow and steady wins the race. I, I think, think that. Yeah, that is definitely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's it too because I know you have. I think you have to be done by one p.m. your time. Um, mm-hmm. I just to to uh, to wrap up. Uh, I wanted to ask you um, if you could just tell me a little bit about the work you 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 find people are doing at the Muslim Public Affairs Council and uh and what my listeners may also do to I don't better inform themselves help out or participate oh okay so uh one of the things that we're doing that's really important is 
Um, we're reaching out to members of Congress. We're engaging with them. We used to engage with the White House and with the various uh, departments in government, like uh, DOJ, uh, I'm sorry, Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, uh, yes, DOJ, uh, Congress. And so we've had to adjust that a little bit because, you know, the White House is not interested in meeting with us anymore, but we've certainly, you know, upped our game a little bit in terms of meeting with people in Congress. And we're doing that in coalitions with other American Muslim organizations, and, you know, uh, frankly, with other faith-based groups, with other uh, people who are constituencies that are really interested in, you know, the direction this country is going in and we're concerned about it. So the coalitions include, um, as I said, faith-based groups, civil rights organizations. Um, they also include uh, people concerned about the uh, Hispanic community because, you know, 11 million people at risk is a large number of people. And not only that, they're not sitting around at home. These are people who are actually working. So imagine the, the damage to our economy that these people are, you know, that's, that's caused by making these people fearful. Um, there's a, one other thing that I, I just want to briefly mention, and that is that a lot of sheriffs, local sheriffs, are concerned for a number of reasons because they're saying, look, when you make people afraid, and this includes, you know, both Muslims and the Hispanic community, they don't report crimes. They don't report suspicious behavior. So there used to be this trust of the police, but that now with ICE saying that the uh, police have to cooperate with us and with a distrust, even if the police are not cooperating, there's this distrust now of law enforcement that, you know, this, this trust that has been built, this cooperation, that has been built between the local community and law enforcement is really coming apart at the seams. So that's that's a, a big problem. So that's that's an issue. Um, the other thing that we do, uh, in addition to building uh, coalitions, is we're encouraging more and more people to get involved on an individual level. And um, there, there's organizations that we know, for example, a Catholic organization called Sojourners. They are reaching out to their community saying, you know, Invite a Muslim to your home. Go and, you know, become friends with a Muslim. The Pew Research Center did uh, a study years, a, a couple years ago that said those people that had not, that do not work with a Muslim or do, have never met a Muslim, don't know any Muslims, have much, high, much higher negative views of Islam and Muslims than those people who actually know a Muslim or work with a Muslim. So we want to get, you know, beyond the hatred. And the way you get beyond the hatred is you reach out and you actually meet somebody who's Muslim and have a conversation with them and learn that, look, guess what? You know, he's just as worried about his son's grades as I am. You know, he's worried about his son's performance on the football field. Uh, he's worried about, you know, his wife or whatever. And, you know, his, his car got a flat tire last week. And these are very, very ordinary. This is what, you know, ordinary Muslims think about. And by far, American Muslims, are ordinary people. They're Americans that are ordinary. And when you paint them with something other than that, then you're doing a disservice to facts. You're doing a disservice to communities. Uh, and, and you're doing a disservice to, to everybody because, you know, this this in, environment of fear, this environment of, of, you know, the other, this environment that I hate that person or I don't like that person or this person is other than me, it blackens your heart. It It, it doesn't allow people to be, you know, Beautiful. It, 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 it uglies our soul. It makes our soul ugly, right? 
So it, this is just, you know, this is something that, that everybody should be concerned about. So we, we encourage people to, uh, to get involved, to get out into your communities, to participate uh, in your local communities. There's a lot of communities that are saying, you know, we have to be aware of what's going on. Uh, and it's, it's very important to, to know what's going on, both for the Hispanic people in your community, the Latino people in your communities, the people of color in your communities, and, you know, for, for you to protect minorities. Because, you know, look, it's not just Muslims. You know, the, the Jews are being targeted. The Jews are being targeted. So, you know, well, okay, it's like first they came from the Muslims, we didn't talk. Then what, what they're going to go after the Jews? And, you know, then we're going to say, okay, well, they're just they're not that big of a number either. I mean, like, that's ridiculous, right? So we, we need to be careful about the, this because when you build ha- uh, hate and you start targeting people, those targets go off. They don't, they're not that specific. You know, anything that's an other can be targeted. And that's what we need to be careful about. Great. Thank you so much for taking out the time to do this. No, you're welcome. I hope I answered your question. He's a wonderful man. Oh, yeah. Good old Matt Dwyer. He's a brilliant Thank you very much for listening to Conversations man. with Matt Dwyer. Real quick, I have another podcast on Feral Audio. It's called Afterbirth. I do it with my wife, and I talk to comedians about who they were before and after, or we talk about it, uh, who they were uh, before and after becoming parents. And we talk to some other artist-type folks. Also, um, review my show. And go to Feral Audio. Go to iTunes and review my show. Give it a good review. Uh, Go to Feral Audio and use the Amazon link. Anytime you buy anything on Amazon, they give Feral Audio a kickback, and it supports us because we don't have a lot of advertising. And it uh, and it helps me buy equipment so I can do these re- recordings. And follow me on Twitter, Matt underscore Dwyer. Twitter or thematdwyer.com. You can go to my website and uh, check out all good things. Please keep listening. I have a lot of interesting guests in the future lined up. Thank you. Power to the people. Matt Dwyer, he's a brilliant man, he's a dark, dark man, he's a writer man, he's a wonderful man, having conversations with all of the interesting people in the world. the United States government, it is the mission of the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.